0: Paul McGuire Report. This is Paul McGuire. On today's program, I want to talk about the 4th of July and the importance of the 4th of July. The 4th of July, let's talk about, first of all, what it's not. There's nothing wrong with hanging out with your friends and family and having a good time and relaxing if you have the day off. There's nothing wrong with any of that. But there is something wrong that if during your 4th of July Independence Day celebration, if in your Independence Day celebration, you uh, you you have no acknowledgement, no thankfulness, your heart or mind is not connected in any way uh, to the reality of the Creator God, capital C, or the infinite personal living God of the universe. Now, before you say, well, that's religious, I'm trying to have a good time on the 4th of July, there's nothing wrong with you having a good time on the 4th of July. That's not what I'm saying. But there is something very dangerous and conspicuously absent if your 4th of July celebration doesn't have any room in it at all. It's devoid completely of any acknowledgement that the freedoms you have to have your hot dogs or beer or whatever you, you know, consume and the fireworks or whatever. If all you're doing which is what most of my neighbors are doing here in Southern California on the 4th of July, if all they do, for the most part, the overwhelmingly most part, they, you know, gather together at different locations, sanctioned by the fire department, and they shoot off fireworks in commemoration of the 4th of July, Independence Day. But there is no acknowledgement, neither verbal or ceremonial, that all the freedoms That we have been granted all the blessings that we have been granted, all the uh, opportunities that we've been granted. Yes, we live in the most challenging times in the history of the world. But the bottom line is, despite all those challenges, we live in a the freest nation on planet Earth. You say, well, it's not all that free. Well, look, compared to North Korea or whatever, or communist China or any or any number of nations. America is incredibly free. So we have forgotten in America, we, we have, and the church is probably the primary institution which has forgotten the importance of the 4th of July, because it's the 4th of July, and it's the American Revolution in 1776. It was the pilgrims and Puritans who were... Uh, who had a biblical worldview. That, that means they had a heavy duty download of the Word of God and they knew how to apply the Word of God to everyday life. You and I are still the beneficiaries of that relationship that the very intelligent, very powerful Pilgrims and Puritans made with their Creator. Because it was out of the relationship that the Pilgrims and Puritans made with the Creator. It was out of the uh, biblical worldview it was out of the, the all of this produced what is called the American Dream Now why it's important to celebrate and commemorate the Fourth of July on the Fourth of July, even if it's only a fraction of the time that you're spending celebrating. Nobody says you have to sit there and fast and and lay prostrate and and you know all the rest of that stuff. Nobody's saying that you can have a good time. But there's something wrong with your good time if you don't even have five minutes to 15 minutes, and I'm not trying to set forth a particular rule, but you need to have a percentage uh time involved where you are celebrating the source of all of your freedoms. And let's not – I don't care what you learned in the educational system slash the social engineering system slash the scientific mind control system, slash the, uh, the programming institutions. I don't care what you learned there. Most of what you learned there, unless it was, you know, hard mathematics, engineering, hard biology, uh, history that conforms to what really happened, not historic or revisionism. So you and I, whatever freedoms we have left, and the very fact that we have the the potential and possibility to continue to fight for our freedoms is because the pilgrims and Puritans and the rest of our founding fathers anchored the American dream, the American Constitution, and the American Bill of Rights. They anchored it into a biblical worldview or a biblical foundation. If you Below, no I don't, I don't want to say that because in today's world somebody will take it literally. Um, the big lie is that we all humanistically, through our good vibes and our good works and our sense of community and blah 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 blah, the big lie is is that is what created America no, a thousand times no. What created America was the fact that a a significant or smaller percentage of the people put God first, and attempted to seriously live out their faith in everyday life. And so, on the 4th of July, it is incumbent upon us to spend a certain amount of time, a fraction of the time, at the very least, a toast to God for crying out loud. And what would be so bad, nothing would be bad, about spending a few minutes thanking god for our freedoms and remembering our freedoms it doesn't have to turn into an historical society meeting but you see we cannot afford to disconnect from our historical reality anymore why because we are we have entered an entirely new paradigm we have entered an entirely new era and let me spell out to you what this new paradigm and this new era represents for America and the world. First of all, America is the last of the last of the free nations on planet Earth. You say you hate America. America's racist. America is capitalist. America's this. America's that. There may be truths in your critique. That's not the issue. The issue is when you contrast and you compare America with all the other nations on planet Earth, America is light years ahead of the other nations in terms of providing a quality standard of living for the middle class and the working class, in terms of providing set freedoms like freedom of speech, freedom of the press, freedom of religion, uh, the right to bear arms, and all the other freedoms that were granted to us by our founding fathers, and that's why we had the American Revolution. Let us not forget that the primary reason for the Settling of America was because the fervent uh, pilgrims and Puritans, all Bible-believing Christians, were suffering intense persecution from uh, various denominations in Europe. So to escape the religious persecution in Europe, they got on boats and they sailed across the ocean and settled colonies in America so they could practice their religion in real life. They could teach their religion, evangelize their religion, et cetera, et cetera. And that was the reason for the founding of America. Now, I don't have time to do a detour and explain to you the fallacy and the mythology of this new revisionist ideology, which is built on a series of successive lies, which basically said, well, America came here to colonize, to exploit, to enslave the... um, Indians and to colonize and to enslave the African Americans there is no doubt that a certain percentage of people who called themselves Christians yes they were guilty of the exploitation and the enslavement of both the American Indians and African Americans but let let us be uh, ruthlessly precise in our analysis To say that every person who was a a genuine Christian participated in the enslavement and the the exploitive colonization of African Americans, the enslavement and killing and breaking of treaties of Indians, is a falsehood. It's a falsehood because just because somebody claims to be a Christian doesn't mean for a moment that they really are a Christian. This is essential to understand. Throughout history, people, for various political reasons or whatever, have claimed to be Christians to gain money and political advantage. It does not mean that they ever were Christians. So, um, in America, we had—and I explain this. I'm not just shooting from the top of my head. I document thoroughly what I am asserting— in my books, which you need to read, if you're going to be intelligent and debate and discuss things, then you got to know what you're talking about. So in my book, The Greatest Battle for the Hearts and Minds of Mankind in the History of the World, I go into this whole historical dynamic, and just in a nutshell, but I explain it far deeper than that. America was birthed out of an eclectic mixture of different and actually opposing and contradictory philosophies and ideologies and theologies. On one hand, we had the biblical biblical worldview, pilgrims and Puritans, who attempted to live their lives and adhere to the Bible, okay? They were the, the, the probably the most powerful force. But infu- listen carefully. This is critical to understand the difference. Infiltrating the pilgrim and Puritan movements, there was a massive infiltration By hardcore occultists, Illuminati members, members of the Occult Secret Society, the Rosicrucians, uh, those that were disciples of Sir Francis Bacon and Sir John Dee, and all of these people hired their own uh, ocean-going vessels, they sailed to America along with the Pilgrims and Puritans. They hid among the Pilgrims and Puritans, but they did not believe in the Bible, literally. They were not born-again Christians. They were not being guided by the Holy Spirit. They were being guided by New Age, occultic, Luciferian theologies and ideologies. That's why on the back of the U.S. dollar you see so many occult symbols and occult references, such as the pyramids an ancient occult uh, uh, symbol. And on the base of the pyramid, on the dollar, it says Nuvos Order Seclorum, which means New Order of the Ages or, or New World Order. Then on the right-hand side of the dollar, it there's a picture of not an eagle, but the phoenix bird. The phoenix bird is a legendary occult symbol. It represents the legendary occult bird called the phoenix The phoenix represents, uh, in terms of uh, occult symbolism, the phoenix represents the uh, New World Order. So you have on the base of the pyramid, translated from Latin, Nuvos Order Seclorum, you have the words New World Order. On the right-hand side of the dollar bill, you have a picture of the phoenix bird. The phoenix bird, the legendary phoenix bird, represents uh, the New World Order. And the occult legends and the occult teachings teach that America is destined to become the head of the New World Order in the last days, or the New Eon or Aeon A E O N, a term coined by the great Satanist Alistair Crowley. Sir Francis Bacon and many of his ilk were secretly some of the highest powered occultists in the world. And They put the phoenix bird, they put these symbols on the back of the dollar bill because they were communicating a message. Sir Francis Bacon, head of the most powerful occult society in the world, then known as the Rosicrucians. The Rosicrucians then became the Illuminati. Um, He believed that America would not only become head of an occultic new world order, but that America would become the head of the new Atlantis because they believed, the occultists believed then, as they do today, that the the legendary occult super civilization known as Atlantis really existed. So Sir Francis Bacon believed that America would be the head of the new world order, and that America would be the head of the new Atlantis. Now uh, this is very powerful because this is in contradiction to the biblical worldview of the Pilgrims and Puritans. And so the people who traveled to America were a hybrid mixture of secret society members like the Freemasons, the Masons, the Illuminati, later on, Skull and Bones. Um, And they traveled to America because you can see it. They, They have left evidence of their belief system. They have left evidence of their vision for America all over the place. So all over our currency, the dollar, you see rampant occult symbolism. All over the architecture of Washington, D.C., which was designed by a prominent Freemason, Pierre Lafont, Uh, you see in the architecture and the buildings of Washington, D.C., you see um, evidence of the occultic vision, the Luciferian vision for America that was held by our occultic Founding fathers like Sir Francis Bacon, like like Benjamin Franklin, like Thomas Jefferson, and many others. And so, when you walk around Washington D.C. and you examine the monuments and the mottos and the sayings and the symbolism, you see that it's bursting with evidence of free Masonic principles, Illuminati Rosicrucian principles, uh, and their occultic vision of the new world order. So everything. Once you understand that, you walk out of zombie land, and you walk into the clear daylight illuminated by the power of the Holy Spirit, which is the spirit of truth, and you can see clearly. So what do you see? You see that when America was settled, it was settled by, yes, pilgrims and pilgrims, but mixed in with the pilgrims and Puritans, many of the colonies were secretly uh, occult organizations. Designed to promote the ideas of sir Francis D, uh, Sir Francis Bacon, Sir John D, other occultists, the Freemasons, the Illuminati, the Rosicrucians, etc, so let's not be naive and let's not uh, bastardize history because the historical record proves that a significant percentage of the colonists were secretly members of occult secret societies, and they wanted to bring forth the occult vision for America. And it's all over our, our government, our architecture, our Constitution, our Bill of Rights. So what happened? You go to Washington, D.C. If you're sitting in the Oval Office, you can look out the window. And as you look across Washington, D.C., you, through a direct line of sight, you see this massive, tall, phallic symbol-like building that is lit up in the top in red. The phallic symbol goes right back to ancient Babylon and the ancient mystery religions. The phallic symbol represents—I have to be blunt. There's no way of, of, of not being blunt. The phallic symbol represents—and if you're a little child, you might want to turn it down for the next couple of minutes. Here's your warning. The phallic symbol represents, obviously, the phallus or the sexual organ of Nimrod, who was the founder of ancient Babylon at the time of the Tower of Babel. This is the core of the theology of the ancient Babylonian mystery religions. Now, so on one on one side of Washington DC you have the phallic monument known as the Washington Monument. And this is replicated because this these are the secret of power in Washington, D.C., the secret of power in the United Nations, the secret of power in the European Union, and the secret of power in the Vatican, etc., and in America, etc., the secret of power belongs in the hands of the wealthiest, most powerful individuals in every nation, the people who genetically are part of what you would describe as the Illuminati bloodline families. And so they go all the way back to ancient Babylon. Now um so you have the phallic symbol Washington Monument and then on the other end of Washington DC you have the, the womb-like structure womb-like structure of Nimrod's wife Semiramis and this womb-like structure is known as the Capitol Dome Now now any basic understanding of human reproduction involves this fact the phallic symbol which represents the phallus of Nimrod obviously has to become one with the womb in order to produce or to conceive a child. So this is the heart of the mystery Babylon religions. We have the phallic symbol, Washington Monument, that in a mystical, alchemical, magic way is able to impregnate the womb-like structure representing the womb of Semiramis, also known Semiramis is the goddess wife of Nimrod, also known as the Washington Monument. This is what our founding fathers believed. That's why when you go into the physical building of the Washington Monument, and you look up at the the domed ceiling, and you look up at the dome, you see pictures of all these—remember, this is supposed to be a Christian nation, so the question should be asked, How come, as you look up at the Capitol Dome, you see all these pictures of the the famous gods and goddesses throughout human history, you know, like Neptune and Apollo and on and on and on and Isis. and, and then as you're looking up at the dome and you see all these gods and goddesses, you see George Washington. His likeness is painted up there with all the other gods and goddesses. And the statement, the theological statement that is being proposed very strongly is that that George Washington, a prominent Freemason, because in the picture of him in the dome, he's wearing a full Masonic ceremonial apron. And he's up there. George Washington is up there flying around with all the other gods of history. So what is that telling you? It tells you that for a globalist elite that believe in uh, uh, man and women becoming gods or god kings, which is what transhumanism believes, and that they believe that it can be done by technology, they, the, the globalist or Luciferian elite, the Freemasons, they consider all these elevated beings like George Washington they deify them because they consider them to be god men now that is not that is the opposite of what the bible teaches so here you see the beginning openly and visibly of a massive fracture in the soundness of the theology of our founding fathers the the, the real truth is regarding the theology and philosophy of the founding fathers is that it was a hybrid mixture of occultism Freemasonry, uh, Illuminati teachings, Rosicrucian teachings, Masonic teachings, as well as biblical Old Testament and New Testament teachings. But this idea, this idea that man can become God, as evidenced by the fact that George Washington is portrayed as a God and is floating around uh, in the Washington Monument, and then there's the deification of many of our other political leaders and they are, are statues are made of them etc that portray them as gods or more appropriately uh, a term that i've coined they are portrayed as god kings which comes from a term that i've coined called the pharaoh god king system and you cannot understand what's happening in america and what's happening in the world unless you understand the Pharaoh God King system. Pharaoh God King system is a consolidation of the occult teachings, such as the Great Plan, capital P, the Great Plan promoted by Madame Blavatsky and Alice Bailey, who, who created the occult theology for the United Nations. And in this plan, man, through sexual activity, Man through rituals, man through changing his DNA and passing it on from generation to generation. And man and woman who co-mingled and, and mated with the fallen angels, as talked about in the Bible, according to the Illuminati and the Freemasons and others, they, when, they, when mankind mixes their DNA with the fallen angels, which is what is warned about in the Old Testament. Then man's DNA is, becomes hybrid. Man is no longer merely a human being or a man. Man is uh, a God, a God to be worshipped, and in their belief system, man, through various science, technological, occult, and psychic teachings, man is evolving into Godhood. Now, this is, the, this is Freemasonry, but let us remember that the guiding forces, the master plan behind everything that is driving the human race right now. See, if you don't understand what I'm about to tell you, you don't understand anything. And that's why I strongly encourage you to get my books like Power From On High, The Greatest Battle for the Hearts and Minds of Mankind in the History of the World, A Prophecy of the Future of America, Volume 1 and 2. Conquering the Matrix, The Day the Dollar Died, and all the other books. Get them, they built upon one another incrementally. But you have to remember that the super scientists, the super atheistic geniuses that laid down the master plan for what Aldous Huxley called the brave new world, controlled by a scientific elite and um, the technocratic elite uh, uh, invented by Brzezinski The co founder of the um, Trilateral Commission started by Rockefeller. All of these men believed that they could create utopia or paradise on Earth through science, technology, scientific mind control, psychedelic drugs, genetic engineering, and other factors. So the great secret and the great lie are promoted simultaneously. The great secret is that. The vast majority of the geniuses, scientific, philosophical, technological, uh, people like Bertrand Russell, who wrote Why I Am Not a Christian, a member of the militant Fabian Socialist Society, uh, uh, the author of Brave New World, and his brother, I mean, Alice Huxley, the author of Brave New World, and then his brother, Julian Huxley, the father of transhumanism and the head of UNESCO for the United Nations, the founders of the United Nations. All of these men, like Sir Francis Bacon, Sir John D, all of these men pretended to be militant secular humanists. They pretended to believe totally in evolution, Darwin's theory of evolution. They were militantly not Christians. But now here's the big secret. Their public persona was one of being atheists, humanists transhumanists, you know, pure believers in scientific empirical evidence. That was their public persona. But privately, privately they were deep adherents, deep disciples of Freemasonry, of the Illuminati, of the Rosicrucians, of what's called scientism, and the supernatural, and the cult of Dionysus, and all kinds of occult hybrid religions. That's who they really were. They were super-occult, mystical Luciferians. They, they were not Christians. And so they conceived and developed a new world order that was designed, like an alarm clock is designed to go off at the time you set it. The, 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 the scientific geniuses like, like sci-fi author um, H.G. Wells, the invisible man, wore the world stuff. They, they created a society that was going to be a futuristic scientific dictatorship. They were going to create a perfect world. They, they intended, their intentionality was to create heaven on earth. Their intentionality was to use technology and science and genetic engineering, etc., to make man God and to give man artificial or synthetic eternal life. That was their game plan from the very beginning. And now in our lifetime, bam, the digital clock, the alarm on the digital clock is ringing away, and, my, and mankind all over the world, collections of scientists, collections of governments with input from myriad from sources, they have gathered together to create Babylon 2. They have gathered together to create Mystery Babylon II. So just like the original Babylon, depicted in the book of Genesis, the original Babylon was created by Nimrod, and many believe Nimrod possessed both human DNA and the DNA of fallen angels. And Nimrod built the super-civilization of Babylon. Nimrod was the priest of the super-globalist religion, Luciferian religion, known as Mystery Babylon. And Nimrod created what was known as the world's first one world government, one world religion, and one world economic system. Except it had a fatal flaw, and God knew what the fatal flaw was because God can see everything, and God, sitting on his throne room in heaven, could see very clearly and very plainly that the flaw of ancient Babylon was the fact that in the hearts and souls of the men and women who inhabited ancient Babylon at the time of the technological. Tower of Babel, which was nothing less. Babel, the Tower of Babel, uh, was nothing less than a scientific, occultic, technological portal or stargate, which allowed for the entrance of what were called the gods to enter the earth from another dimension. The gods referred to as the super beings that entered into the earth through the stargates of the Tower of Babel. They were the word gods. The literal translation means the the sons or the daughters of the fallen angels, the angels, or or the fallen angels. So so. The the armies of Lucifer entered the earth through the portals created at the Tower of Babel, and the Tower of Babel was one of the world's first super civilization, which merged, and, and this is what Christians don't understand, and because Christians refuse to understand the, the, the divine epiphany, the divine revelation of what's really happening, and because secularists and atheists and humanists and transhumanists don't really understand it either. Both categories of people are walking around in the dark, Because they do not have a revelation. They don't have a revelation of what the actual translation of the word uh, gods means. It means high level fallen angels. So the Tower of Babel was built as a technological device which created interdimensional portals which allowed super beings or fallen angels to move from the spiritual dimension into the physical real world dimension. Now, this is important because you see the average Westerner, the average American, the average European, most of the Western nations, Russia, even China, all of these nations participate in a collective mythology and a collective lie or what I call in my books a collective um, a collective cognitive dissonance between what's really real and what their mind is telling them is real so this is how God intends for his people to be Very intelligent, very aware, to possess supernatural revelation as to what is really going on in the multiple dimensions that we exist in. It is not the intention of God the Creator, capital C, for his people to be out to lunch or to be uh, in any way second class intellectual, philosophical, scientific, and theological citizens. Now, what I'm about to tell you conveys this message. First of all, what I'm about to tell you is what the Bible already has told you, and that is the Bible teaches us that knowledge is power. So, godly knowledge, knowledge that is true biblically, contains an unprecedented power, and knowledge contains an unprecedented spiritual force known as the dunamis, which means the dynamite, explosive force of the Spirit of God. So this is an important truth and dynamic to master. You cannot be, you know, an amateur in in understanding things. You have to be a master disciple. A master disciple is one who has been diligent as a disciple of Jesus Christ, And as a diligent disciple of Jesus Christ, God bestows upon you a supernatural anointing, a supernatural infusion of the dunamis dynamite power of God. God bestows upon you a supernatural revelation of his word and a supernatural revelation of his truth. When you discipline yourself, which means accepting the disciplines of Jesus Christ, when you discipline yourself to be a master disciple of Jesus Christ, which is separated from the category of an amateur part-time disciple of Jesus Christ. The master disciple of Jesus Christ is a very, very dangerous man and dangerous woman to the kingdom of darkness and to the kingdom of hell, and to the demonic realm, to Lucifer, and to every architecture of evil, human or non-human. Now, this is a critical point to grasp because there is a lie. There is a stronghold. And remember, it is Satan who is the father of lies. So there exists a lie. There exists a stronghold that has been embedded deeply in the hearts and minds of mankind and in the hearts and minds of God's people in the earth when it comes to having a proper revelation. Of what it means to be a master disciple of Jesus Christ. We as Christians have bought into essentially a belief system that is created by the secular community, the community that is energized by the spirit of Antichrist. We have bought into a series of lies regarding our inner image of ourselves as created by God. And that inner image of ourselves as created by God testifies from within us by the power of the Holy Spirit, because the power of the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. And it testifies from inside of us that you and I are the sons and daughters of the Most High God. That is not a religious platitude. That is not something to be put on a greeting card. That is a fundamental truth about our DNA. It's a fundamental truth about our proper genetic origins, and it's a fundamental truth about the true identity of who you and I really are as we exist in space and time, as we exist on this planet. You and I are nothing less than the sons and daughters of the eternal God. Amen. Now, this is imperative to have a revelation of this truth so when we have a proper revelation of this truth we understand that the power that god has to give us is a twofold power and any time christians or the church or are those attempting to promote christianity fail to recognize the proper duality not the counterfeit duality which would be the the new age but the proper duality the twofold nature of our reality, not counting the multiple dimensions. Anytime we miss the target, that means we have sinned before God. That word sin before God comes from the word metanoia. Metanoia means literally to miss the mark, to miss the bullseye, to miss the target. The translation comes from, when, when you're talking about metanoia, it's as if you were throwing a dart at a dartboard or you are firing an uh, arrow at a, a you know, target, unless you hit the very bull'seye and you hit the very center of the target with either an arrow or a dart, if you do not hit the center of the target with a hundred percent accuracy, then you are guilty of an egregious sin the Bible calls, calls menanoia, which means simply missing the mark, missing the target. So the proper definition of sin is not whether you swore or not, or not whether you had a cigarette or not. The proper definition of sin regarding your life, your mission, your purpose here on earth, it has to answer this question. Are you hitting the bullseye with your life, with your mission, and with the gifts that God has given you? Are you hitting the bullseye? Are you hitting the target? And if you are, God is well pleased with you. Okay, so. That is important because it is accuracy in handling the truth that brings about the dunamis, dynamite, explosive power of God that can rock this world and decapitate Lucifer and the kingdom of darkness. So, we have to understand that the the primary goal is that you and I in the Supernatural Church of Jesus Christ on Earth, that we indeed fulfill our destiny Which is to be more than conquerors in Christ Jesus, to be victorious in Christ Jesus, and to be overcomers in Christ Jesus. God reminds us of who we really are in terms of our true identity when we look back at our identity and our DNA and our genetics and our mission and purpose. When we look back to Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden and their relationship or their interaction, I should say, with Lucifer who embodied a, the serpent of old. Now, at that time in human history, Adam and Eve were immortal. They lived forever. They were all-knowing. They had supernatural powers. Adam and Eve were the kings and queens of planet Earth. Adam and Eve, were the they ruled and reigned planet Earth. Adam and Eve had the supernatural authority of God as they existed on planet Earth. Now, the only thing God said Adam and Eve could not do was to eat from the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden. Lucifer, in dwelling the serpent of old, lied, coerced, and manipulated Adam and Eve into disobeying God's word, and and they ate from the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden. When they violated the word of God by rejecting it, that initiated what was called, called, called the fall of man. When the fall of man occurred, Adam and Eve lost their genetic and spiritual authority to rule and reign over planet Earth. Adam and Eve ceased to be the kings and queens of planet Earth, and the fall of man occurred. With the fall of man occurring, there was the activation of the law of sin and death. With the fall of man occurring, mankind, Adam and Eve, lost their supernatural authority, they lost their power, and they lost their rulership. This gave Satan and the fallen angels an opportunity to usurp the power and authority that God gave Adam and Eve. Which brings us to the present moment. In the last days, which is the time period that we're in, according to the book of Revelation, according to scripture, and according to any serious study of Bible prophecy, we are in what the Bible calls the last days. One vitally important truth that many of God's people seem to fail to comprehend in the last days, is this. It's the following. And it is this truth that I'm about to share with you from the Word of God, which is of paramount importance. Knowing and understanding this truth, along with having an accompanying revelation of this truth, will regain and return to you the supernatural power of God that Adam and Eve possessed before the fall of man. It is the desire of God, in fact, it is the overwhelming desire of God, to restore to every man and woman who's a Christian the supernatural power of God. And Christ told us about this when he told his disciples just before he ascended into heaven that they needed to go to Jerusalem and that they needed to tarry in Jerusalem Until the Father sent them power from on high, or until the fathers clothed them with power from on high. So the disciples and the early Christians were radically and miraculously transformed by Jesus Christ when they tarried into Jerusalem and they called upon God and sought the face of God in prayer. Just as Jesus Christ promised, the disciples miraculously received power from on high the disciples were clothed with power from on high the disciples were filled with the power of the holy spirit they they had their supernatural authority their supernatural rulership their ability to rule and reign all of that was restored unto them when they received power from on high without power from on high which means the dunamis the dynamite explosive Force or the dynamite explosive power of God without that supernatural infusion of the divine power of God into your inner man or inner woman, you are a mere puppet that is disconnected from your master's strings. You you are just floating around in this reality and, and you have manifested a counterfeit identity in which you are just going from place to place but you are incapable of fulfilling God's most important orders and commands. Because God commanded you, God commanded me, as supernatural members of the body of Christ, he commanded us to receive power from on high, the dunamis dynamite power of God. He commanded us to be clothed with power from on high. And at that moment, we receive a restoration of our supernatural authority and power in Jesus Christ. Now, that is of critical importance, because right now, planet Earth is a battle zone. Planet Earth is a war zone. And the spiritual battle and the natural battle is raging all around us. And the disciples and the followers of Lucifer, or Satan, have networked together. One percent of them have stolen the entire wealth of the middle class and the working class on Earth they have stolen the wealth of the middle class and the working class. They have hidden and seized the wealth of the masses. So just 1% of the population of planet Earth, the globalist elite or the Luciferian elite, they have stolen 99% of the wealth and the power of planet of the people of planet Earth. They've flat out stolen it. This is an abomination to God. It was never intended to happen by God. The only reason that the globalist elite or the Luciferian elite were able to steal 99% of the wealth and the riches and the power of the entire human race and use it for evil purposes was because there was a point in time when God's people fell asleep spiritually, God's people ignored and neglected To receive power on high by faith, God's people uh, refuse to receive the knowledge of God which grants supernatural power from on high. And so, as a consequence uh, of this Luciferian deception, we are in a time period where just 1% of the population, the 1% that controls all the wealth, the 1% of the richest families on planet Earth, they control. And hoard all of the wealth on the earth. And they're using it on behalf of Lucifer's agenda in the last days, and they're moving full speed ahead. And this is their agenda, and I want to summarize it. And you need to understand that their agenda is very simple to understand. They are in the process of rebuilding Mystery Babylon, ancient Babylon at the time of the Tower of Babel. They are in the process of. Creating a new world order that consists of a one world government, a one world religion, and a one world economic system. They have rebranded and renamed their new world order the Great Reset. And the Great Reset, like the New World Order, its primary intention is to advance the goals of Lucifer, the fallen angels, and the demons, and all the people that follow the fallen angels and demons, to take over planet Earth. And take over all the power centers of planet Earth. But that's not enough for Lucifer. Lucifer's end game is to finance the technology, to finance the science, to create through science, technology, transhumanism, genetic engineering, the creation of technological multiverses, the creation of alternative realities or virtual realities. Their goal. The goal of Lucifer and all the men and women who follow him, the goal of Lucifer and uh, the fallen angels and the demons, they are moving synergistic, synergistically. They are moving in counterfeit unif- unity to take over planet Earth. And in the process of taking over planet Earth, it is the goal of Lucifer to initiate a coup d'etat that will overthrow the rule of the biblical God, and overthrow the rule of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And then Lucifer wants to seize the throne room of God. Lucifer is planning to sit in the throne of God in the rebuilt temple of Jerusalem, and Lucifer is intending to rule and reign planet Earth, and he is intending to have every man or woman on planet Earth worship Lucifer as God and he is planning to have the entire population of planet earth to reject god as god, to reject god as the savior and instead lucifer intends to be man's new savior. In addition to that, lucifer through the perversion of technology and science and genetics and knowledge, lucifer fully intends to counterfeit the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Lucifer fully intends to um Create a transhumanist revolution that will allow man and allow Lucifer and the fallen angels to all become a counterfeit God with a counterfeit kingdom of heaven, with a counterfeit new Jerusalem, a new heaven, and a new earth, an entire counterfeit Luciferian world in which man will become an artificial God through synthetic DNA through virtual DNA, and through man's science and technology. This is what is going down now. Now, God is opposed to all of this, because all of this represents a counterfeit revolution. All of this represents a counterfeit Luciferian revolution. And it is a mass attempt by Lucifer and the fallen angels to conquer planet Earth, to make mankind his slaves, and to make mankind artificial gods that will possess a technological cybernetic artificial immortality. That's the game plan, and we are right smack dab in the middle of it. But God has the upper hand, and God has transferred the upper hand to you and I if we will use the upper hand that God has given us. God has given us both the knowledge and God has given us the power To flip the direction of the battle, and we have the power granted to us by God to depose Lucifer, the fallen angels, the God men, the counterfeit DNA. We have the power to reverse engineer all of that, and we have the power to occupy planet Earth. We have the power to overthrow the temporal rule of Lucifer and the fallen angels. And, And not only that, We have such an enormous download of power that God is waiting upon us. God has been communicating with his people for centuries, building up to this very point. God has been preparing his people for the final invasion of planet Earth. God has been preparing his people for the greatest outpouring of the Holy Spirit in the history of mankind. God has been preparing his people for a biblical third great awakening for a biblical revival, and God has preparing his people for a last day's biblical soul harvest in which billions of people will be radically saved and be swept into the kingdom of God, and they will become born again because God is about ready to bless our evangelistic efforts on a level never seen before. And I ask you to join with me Paradise Mountain Church and Paul McGuire Ministries, I ask you to join with me in this charge to win souls at an unprecedented level and in this charge to take back the land that Satan stole from God's people. This is a winnable war when we use the supernatural power of God and the supernatural knowledge of God. I encourage you to go to PaulMcGuire.us. That's PaulMcGuire.us. And, um, Get the books. They're at a discount. Ask the Lord how you can help us with your financial contributions. Help us by signing up to our eblast list and, and other social media and stand with us in this all-important battle that will determine the results of space and time. That's the, the battle is nothing less than that. God bless you. This is Paul McGuire. We'll be back in just a moment. Visit paulmcguire.us. That's paulmcguire.us. You are listening to the Paul McGuire Report. This is Paul McGuire. Okay, let's finish this off with like a super focus into the moment. And here's where we stand. At the present moment, despite the fact that there have been many, and, and let me emphasize, many positive spiritual signs in America. I'm not talking about the rest of the world right now. The the COVID pandemic, the technology of the vax, and by the way, the reason I use the word technology is because when you study what many medical researchers and doctors have said in terms of what they allege to be in uh, that that medical uh, invention, it, it, it appears or it is alleged that a great deal of it is what they call nanotechnology. Nanotechnology is microscopic computer technology, so i don't care whether you like it or not. You need to know the facts versus the falsehood. The facts are that there are components in in what lots of people took across the world that allegedly are not very good for your health, not very good for your immune system, and that They contain scientific, technological technologies, not just medical technologies. So you have substances, for example, and I don't don't want to spend a lot of time on this because the medical researchers and the doctors, if you bother to check out credible alternative media, you will see the list of allegations. But you take things like graphene oxide, a substance which turns the body into a kind of electromagnetic frequency transmitter, and yet at the same time simultaneously turns the body into uh, an electromagnetic frequency broadcaster. So to to, to put it bluntly, the people who put that in their bloodstream may not be aware of it, but they have become, to whatever degree, allegedly, both broadcasters and receivers of electromagnetic frequencies. Now, why would that be the case? See, this is where you have to have knowledge. Knowledge is power. If you insist upon being an idiot—I'm not trying to be unkind. I'm not trying to be condescending. I'm just telling you the truth, and I'm passionate about the truth—if you insist upon being an idiot, you are going to go into slavery and into captivity. That is the, the biblical model And one of the primary biblical truths from Genesis to Revelation, God says it over and over and over again, through various civilizations, various tribes, various kings, various uh, historical predicaments that the children of Israel got into, whenever the children of God turned away from knowledge, turned away from the truth, and began to get their knowledge from pagan gods, and pagan gods would be when you deify the medical establishment, Whose very symbol, with the serpent uh, uh, intertwining itself on a, on, on a pole, that's an ancient occult symbol I mean what, what do you need to, what do you need next to be smacked in the head to, to wake up? Why would they choose an ancient occult symbol of the serpent intertwining its body on a pole to be the symbol of modern medicine It's occultic. Is that just coincidental? And and why would the World Health Organization, WHO, also choose as its symbol for who? They have a, a logo, which is the globe. So you see planet Earth. And then in the center of planet Earth, once again, you see a pole with a serpent intertwining its body on the pole. And there are other globalist organizations and powerful institutions that also, and I talk about, I explain the definition of this in detail in my book, Power from One Eye. occultic symbols. Now, here's the problem. Um, I believe God, in the purest sense of the word, created doctors. God created certain kinds of medicine to help us. That's a good thing. But you have to be discerning and to know the difference between medical procedures or medicines that can harm or kill you and those that can heal you. And and if you're going to choose to live your life, life as an infant and allow everybody else to spoon feed you your knowledge, you're going to be a slave and you're going to go into captivity. Okay, now. The critical thing here is that we are at a moment of time that the Bible talked about, the last days, where the spiritual battle is, is raging. And this is what I believe that the Lord has been, has been in preparation trying to get his people, his children, up to speed. Because when you read the, the various biblical historical accounts of his people, what you see in the Bible throughout history, throughout thousands of years of history, is a repetitive theme that keeps playing out over and over again, and that is whenever God's people worshiped the true God, like in Deuteronomy 28 verses 1 and 2, whenever God's people worship the true God, whenever God's people did not worship idols, did not worship pagan gods, and whenever God's people um, chose to hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God, which means whenever God's people chose to study, read, understand, and obey the Word of God, when, when all of those factors, not worshiping idols, worshiping only the true God, and hearkening diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God, or obeying His Word, knowing His Word, and acting on His Word, whenever God's people did that, as you can see in Deuteronomy 28, God would pour out His blessings in a phenomenal way upon his people, no matter where they were in planet Earth. And God would not only forgive his people throughout history of their sins, if they called upon him, but God would also supernaturally deliver his people from the nations that put his people into captivity. And then God would set his people free from captivity. He would free them from being slaves, And then if God's people continued to worship God, the biblical God only, and obey the biblical commandments, then the next thing that God would always do throughout history is that God would begin to restore the land, the blessings, and the promises that were stolen from them. God would begin to restore all that the enemy stole from them. And, and And the key, of course, is that God's people had to stop worshiping false gods, God's people had to stop worship had to start worshiping the true God. God's people had to hearken diligently into the voice of the Lord thy God. Now, let's find a really, really easy to apply illustration of this. God's people in Europe were heavily persecuted were being persecuted financially, they couldn't find jobs, they weren't allowed to worship. They were treated like like slaves. They were taxed to death, they had no freedom to worship in the biblical way. And so the pilgrims and puritans throughout Europe were being persecuted by the Church of England and the Catholic Church in a very brutal way. So they were suffering, God's people were suffering. They were poor, they were slaves, they had no freedom, they were starving, they couldn't get jobs. Their lives were miserable. Okay? Now, when God's people, beginning with the Protestant Reformation, began to repent and seek the biblical God, God began to pour out a a spirit of revival on his people in the Protestant Reformation. Reformation meaning the a certain percentage of the church decided to obey God and reform their theology back into the proper spiritual and truthful condition it was once in. So as God's people began to repent of their sins, as God's people began to hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God, as God's people began to uh, uh, worship the true God only, and when God's people stopped worshiping the pagan false gods, and when God's people stopped worshiping the idols, Then, just like it plays out in Deuteronomy 28, God begins to pour out revival on his people. And then God begins to supernaturally move in their affairs, in their everyday lives. And first, revival comes. And then God begins to arrange for the financing to be put into place. And all of a sudden, doors are opened miraculously by God that will allow God's people to escape the terrible persecution in Great Britain and to escape the persecution in uh, Europe. And God's people now have the money, and other people are paying for it also. God's people discover miraculously that they are able to purchase or rent giant sailing ships that will sail them across the ocean to America and in America, they will have the freedom to worship God biblically. They will have the freedom to teach the Word of God in the right way, and they will have all kinds of economic opportunities, job opportunities, social opportunities, political opportunities. In other words, it begins with revival as they seek God, and then God, out of his goodness, begins to move in their everyday reality, and and they are sailing in Uh, mighty ships to come across the ocean to, to find and discover religious freedom, personal freedom, freedom on every level, economic freedom. And so God's people, the pilgrims and Puritans, establish godly colonies, and God begins to supernaturally prosper them on every level. Now, as time goes by and God's people remain faithful to God, faithful to his word, faithful to his principles, God begins to bless his people supernaturally, and they begin to prosper in an incredible way economically. Their jobs are prospered. Their money is prospered. Their agriculture is prospered. The winds of favor are upon them. God's people are being blessed supernaturally as they come to America And now they live in a land where they're permitted to worship God in a free way. God blesses them because their heart is after God. So they begin to develop schools. Their hearts were right. The purpose of the schools was to teach their children and and the children of the other colonists a robust biblical worldview education that, that became the most serious, the most educational, school system in America were all the schools that were run by the Pilgrims and Puritans. Then, the Pilgrims and Puritans, because they were still standing on the Word of God at this point, infused the founding of America with solid biblical principles built on a biblical worldview that produced unprecedented freedom in America. Because of the Pilgrims and Puritans, America, in the Constitution and the Bill of Rights, began to champion freedom of speech, freedom of religion, freedom of press, freedom of the right to bear arms, and all kinds of freedoms, because they were seeking the heart of God. And then on top of that, the the, the memory, the reputation of the Bible-believing pilgrims and Puritans, and how their God blessed them, began to filter out throughout the entire earth. And after a number of decades, the entire earth, in terms of a testimony and a witness to the goodness of the biblical God, the entire earth began to hear about the the American dream. The American dream that people all over the world knew was created by the biblical God, and the American dream was the opportunity for the pilgrims and Puritans to start from nothing, to to get honest jobs and honest work, and God promised them as long as they sought his face, he would prosper them economically, career-wise, politically, and America became a blessed nation. America became such a mighty and blessed nation that people from all over the world came to America to get in on the good thing that they heard that God was doing. Now, you you can concoct every kind of plan you want for evangelism, But when people all over the world hear the nitty-gritty, truthful accounts about how the American dream is coming to fruition in ordinary people's lives, let me tell you something. You don't have to go around and and beat the bushes to find converts. They start to line up at the doors of your church because they know you got a good thing and and they want in on it. The American dream. The American dream was produced by the power, the supernatural power of God. The American dream was produced by the dunamis dynamite power of God. The American dream was built on the platform of a biblical worldview. The American dream was produced by the knowledge of God, and and the knowledge of God gives the children of God supernatural power and supernatural favor. And so America prospered in the most incredible ways for, for, for hundreds, not hundreds of years, but for a very lengthy period of time. Now, you can guess what happened. The American church, the American people began to turn away, like the children of Israel did, from the source of their blessings. The American people began to worship idols. The American people began to worship false gods. The American people began to not hearken hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord their God. They began to not hearken diligently to the Word of God. So, you can trace from the moment god's people, and this was in the eighteen hundreds from the moment God's people began uh, and I would say the pivotal moment that happened was nineteen thirteen with the passage of the Federal Reserve act which which was a heist by the international occultic banking elite, which conspired to seize the money supply of a once prosperous America. And the reason that happened was that God's people were no longer being vigilant, they were no longer being spiritually awake, they had fallen asleep spiritually, and in their spiritual sleep and slumber, they turned their backs against God, they turned their backs against the responsibilities that God gave them. And those that worship Lucifer, the Luciferian and globalist elite, conspired to outright steal uh the the money supply of america the money supply of we the people and so the middle class that used to go to church and the working class that used to go to church in their prosperity up until today they have drifted away from god and in the process of drifting away from god they had their money their power their freedom stolen from them and when you read deuteronomy 28 the blessings and the curses you'll see all the blessings that the God's children in America previously enjoyed. But midway through Deuteronomy 28, you will begin to see curse after curse after curse that began to come upon the people of God the moment they rejected God's Word, and they began to look to other gods, and they began to not look at the Word of God for their source, for their source of blessing. And you see, this is the pivotal moment. You know, So many of these intercessory prayer meetings are nothing more than blowing smoke in the eyes of God. They're a charade. They're a charade because most of the intercessory prayer meetings don't get down to the root sins. They don't get down to the nitty gritty. The men who are calling them are not speaking the truth. I'm telling you something right now. Whatever faults that Paul McGuire may have, and he has many, at this moment, I stand before you on the walls of Jerusalem. And I'm talking about also the walls of America. At this moment, I stand on the walls of America. And as imperfect as I may be, cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ, I have chosen to obey Jesus Christ. And I pick up the trumpet, and I'm going to blow it through social media, through all of our outreaches. I'm going to blow the trumpet or the shofar to wake up the people of God that the enemy is at the gate. And the enemy's intention is to enslave God's people on a level they have never known before. That is the purpose of the Great Reset, my friends. That is the purpose of the Great Reset. Wake up. So I humbly come before you through social media, through books, through radio, through TV, through every means at my disposal, and I blow the shofar. I blow the trumpet, and I'm blowing it now as a warning. I'm blowing the shofar now as a warning, and I am telling you, I can see clearly, just like many of you can see clearly, I see clearly the enemies of God sneaking up upon us in conspiracy to attack us, enslave us, destroy us, and bring us down. I see the enemies of God hiding in the camouflage of the forests and, and other materials. I see the enemies sneaking up upon us as God's people remain in a drunken stupor and are not paying attention to what's going on and i'm warning you with everything in in me and i'm telling you and every one of you that know the voice of god you know that right now in the name of jesus that i am un, unequivocally speaking the truth to you i am speaking the truth to you and every cell in your body heart soul and mind is resonating Right now, at this very moment, everything in your heart, soul, and mind is resonating in perfect attunement and perfect frequency to the resonation of the presence of God, the presence of the holy God, King of kings and Lord of lords. And so you know that you know that you know that at this moment as I blow the trumpet before you, you know that you know that you know that that what I am saying is true because the resonation of the trumpet blast is true. And you know that when I warn you of an impending enemy whose intention is to slaughter your children and your grandchildren, to rob you of everything you own, to rob you of everything that you've worked for, to steal from you anything you have slaved to possess, when I come before before you and tell you that there exists a thief, and that thief is named Satan, and, and the job of Satan is to steal, kill, and destroy. But I speak to you the truth, my brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ, that God has given us the power to stop it. God has given us the power to drive the enemy back off of our land. And so I ask you to join me now. I ask you to join Paradise Mountain Church now. I ask you to join Paul McGuire Ministries now. I ask you to join me now in one accord. As we blow the shofar to wake up our brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ, you're already awake, but millions, if not billions, need to awaken. That is what is meant by a biblical third great awakening. That is what is meant by a biblical third great awakening. And so we blow the shofar together. And as we blow the shofar together, the heavily entrenched strongholds of Satan are being shattered, like when Jericho. The resonant frequency of Jericho shattered when God's worship team went before the army and they blew the trumpets and they blew the shofars and they marched around the city of Jericho seven times and the walls of Jericho crumbled to dust in the ground. So I blow the shofar now. And I come to you in the name of Jesus and I tell you this, I tell you this with all my heart. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. The greater one lives inside you and me. And not only that, it's not up to your power or my power, your intelligence or my intelligence. It's not up to us. The Word of God, if we hearken diligently unto it, says this to us. For our fight, listen carefully, we're going to receive the truth of this in our hearts right now. We're going to collectively gather before the Most High God, and we're going to say, Jesus, by faith, I receive the truth in my inner being of what your Word says. So let's say it together now. Jesus, your word says that where two or more of us are gathered together in your name, there you will be in the midst of us. And Lord, your word says that our fight is not against flesh and blood or people, but it's against the principalities, the powers, the dark unseen forces of wickedness in heavenly places. For our fight is not against flesh and blood. It's not against people. It's not against human armies. Our fight is against Lucifer, the fallen angels the demonic powers, and the principalities and powers. And so, my brothers and sisters, we were called for such a time as this. God, hear me now, God called you before the foundation of the world to be here for such a time as this. That means God knew your name, your personality, and your gifting before you were born in your mother's womb. And God chose you specifically to be here for such a time as this. And that call of God upon your life and my life is resounding now. We are supposed to right now at this moment, as we hear the trumpet blast, as we hear the shofar, as we hear the voice of the supreme commander of heaven, call us by name, as we hear his spirit pierce our heart, we know right now in the name of Jesus what we are being called to do. And so I will humbly speak it together collectively on our behalf regarding what we are to do in terms of obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ is calling us right now at this nanosecond. He is telling us, as his children, God's children, the Lord is telling us that he is calling us to rise. God is calling you and me to rise now in the power of the Holy Spirit. And the purpose for our rising in the power of the Holy Spirit is to begin to worship him, King of kings and Lord of lords, at a far higher level than ever before. So as we rise in the power of the Holy Spirit in response to his call, and begin to worship him at a higher level than ever before, as we worship God, the the shackles, the chains are being shattered. I see, as you see, a heavenly vision of the chariots of fire on the hills above us, even though the Syrian army, the pagan armies, are coming to get us. I see what Joshua's, uh, excuse me, what Ezekiel's servant saw. I see the chariots of fire on the, on the on the mountains and the hills all around us. And along with the chariots of fire, which represent the armies of God, I see the actual armies of God and the chariots of fire assembling themselves on the mountaintops. And the chariots of fire and the armies of God have poised themselves to move like a mighty army into the valley of decision. And God is telling us that if we will rise in the power of the Spirit to obey Him and to forsake our disobedience, if we will rise in the power of the Holy Spirit, if we will choose to receive power from on high, the dunamis dynamite power of God, if we will choose to immerse ourselves in the knowledge of God's Word, God will give us power. And as God gives us power, the armies of heaven The armies of the living God are pouring in to the military battlefield, and God will give us full spectrum dominance. Did you hear what I said? God will give us, in a law abiding and peaceful manner, full spectrum dominance. God will not give us partial dominance. God said, Occupy until I come. What does that mean? It doesn't mean occupy 2% of the land, it means occupy the entire land that He has given us. Thus, God has given us full-spectrum dominance. We are to dominate in the power of the Lord the earth in a loving, servant-like manner, just like Adam and Eve exercised dominion over the earth as they ruled and reigned over planet earth. It is time for the supernatural body of Christ to rise and receive its anointing, to receive its authority, and to receive, once again, a full restoration of the man and woman of God functioning as kings and queens, as as servant priests before the kings, the king of kings and Lord of lords, together we shall prevail, and and nothing can turn us back from that victory. God bless you. This is Paul McGuire. Stand with me. Ask God what you can donate and contribute, and then radically obey Him. Ask God how you can pray for us. Ask God how you can sign up for our e and our posts, so we can defeat the rigging together. Together unified in Christ. There's nothing that we cannot do. God bless you. This is Paul McGuire. Visit Paulmaguire.us. That's paulmcguire.us.